Hey everybody, welcome to the Style Guides podcast. We are back. Uh, my name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And this is a podcast dedicated uh, to all things style guides, design systems, pattern libraries, and more. Uh, we're actually going to unpack some of those terms a little bit in this episode. But um, So to give a little background about this podcast, we had we had set this thing up a while ago. How long ago was it? Was it two years? Two years ago. So two years ago, we wanted to talk to some people that have successfully implemented style guides, pattern libraries into their workflows, into their organizations. And by doing that, I feel like we learned a whole bunch. Um, and things have really taken off and exploded and evolved over the last couple of years. And so that's why we're sort of dusting this off. And, and you know, I think there's a, a big opportunity to talk to more people and even some of the same people uh, to see how these things have evolved uh, in their own worlds and in organizations and stuff like that. So, but yeah, and so since we last did this, Anna, we haven't really... This is spoken to each yeah. Other. <laughs> it sounds sad. It's so sad to say that, but it's true. It's like I guess we're we've just been busy. We just with... got so sick of each other's voices. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, like that's it. I need uh, years to to just be away from. But uh, but no. So I mean, life, right? Life and work mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. So so, what have you been up to since we last talked? And and how. I guess in the world of style guides and design systems and all that stuff, like how how have have you sort of evolved in your own sort of thinking about this stuff? Uh, yeah, so I got a a jobby job. Um, so a jobby job, congratulations! <laughs> a jobby job, a real job. Um, so for eight years, I was freelance. Since I since I left school, I I've been freelancing. And I decided that I wanted to work for one company and kind of evolve their product because as a freelancer, you know, you go into a company, you kind of, you do the work and then you leave and you never really know if your what you've implemented, if it's had any kind of long-term effects. Mm. Um, so I wanted to do something long-term um, and I wanted to do it on something that, that was kind of, in some way important so the the startup i work for is called snick and it does um it's a security startup um we we kind of build a dev tool that means developers who um use open source packages can check them for vulnerabilities um and it's really nice because i feel like it's it's a very challenging product to to kind of build and design for mm. but it's it's doing a lot of good in that it's um like we're helping stop the bad guys basically. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. Um, we started off when I joined, I built a style guide, um, for the stuff I was working on cause I'm the only front end dev. Um, so I built like a style guide with KSS cause we were using node and I'm, I'm not that experienced in node. So I didn't know how to build it in node. So I built it with KSS, which is just CSS comments. So that was really easy to put together um but we kind of outgrew it quite quickly uh, as soon as 
we hired more developers. It was just really, really difficult to kind of um, keep that in sync because it mm. wasn't living. Right. And I knew that would happen at, to a certain point, but happened a lot kind of sooner than I was ready for. <laughs> So we're now, um, we're slowly transitioning to uh, using a fractal-based uh, living living design system. Yeah. Um, so all of the components are kind of, um, they use an API. We, we have the, the design system is kind of, it's a, an NPM module that we load in. Um, we keep that in sync with the, with the app. And it's, it's gone down really well with the team. Um, I'm kind of frustrated about how slow it's taking us to move over. Um, and it's, it's a struggle to have kind of two systems at once. Um, but you know, the, the end is in sight and I'm just really excited about it really. Ah, that's fantastic. So, so with, with this new approach, you sort of have what sounds like a, a managed sort of process by which to update like sort of this, the style guide, the home for all of your components, but also that same feed is feeding that same sort of API or that same sort of package or whatever is feeding the, the live application as well. Yeah, and it actually means that it gives a lot more freedom to the other devs to kind of build out components because they're not constantly relying on me to, to write the HTML. They mm. just write the kind of the JSON and, and it, it, it's all there. Yeah, yeah. So so they're able to sort of... It's a, and we talked to Ian Feather at the the, la, the last season. Do we call it a season? I don't know. We talked to, <laughs> yeah. but but so Ian Feather, who was then at the the Lonely Planet, uh, they had sort of built an API, and so that means that in order to use some of these components, the people that are consuming it really just had to write JSON and say, okay, mm. I want my title to be this. I want my link to be this. I want my uh, description to be this. I want this image path to be this. But they don't have to touch any of the HTML. So, so mm-hmm. is that is that how you're set up then? Yeah, and it, it's great because it means that um, you know that the HTML is always kind of in sync. It's yeah. uh, no one has to to write it. Don't have to worry about it being kind of formatted wrong. We can really build the components to be accessible as well because. They're kind of a, a standard template. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's been going really well. It's but again, it's it's difficult having two systems at once. Yeah, but but that's temporary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, what have you been up to? A <laughs> uh, whole lot of everything. It it always seems that way. Uh, I've been so. What I do is, I guess, sort of a a combination of of sort of front end development, but also increasingly a lot of consulting work with organizations. Uh, one big milestone is uh, so I, I hired someone. Uh, yeah, and that someone happens to be my brother, uh, <laughs> who who up until uh, two years ago was a was a meteorologist. So he was a a weather guy uh, and. So, but now he is a front-end developer, and I'm really, actually really happy with how that all turned out, because as it turns out, there's a ton of stuff to do. So, uh, some of our client work, uh, we made a, a, a whole design system from the ground up for a, a Fortune 10 company, so giant mm-hmm. organization that has uh, a lot, a lot of people uh, around and uh, they have eleven thousand developers. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, almost none of them are front-end people. Uh, and so basically this organization, they would, they would basically the way that the, the culture was or the, or the company setup was is there'd be a developer and then sort of a business person and the business person would go, okay, cool, we need to do this, and the developer would do it. And from a UI standpoint, they'd just reach for anything they could get their hands on. So it's like, oh, okay, we're building a portal. Uh, let me hunt around the organization's 500-plus internal apps and look for a portal, copy and paste that, and you know, rip out the, the content and add their own. Or more sophisticated people would, would reach for things like Bootstrap or Material Design or whatever. Mm. Or, I should say Materialize, which is like the, the sort of HTML, CSS version. Um, but so, so anyway, so, so UI design and like front end stuff was like such an afterthought as you might expect 500 different apps across the organization are just totally, you know, disparate (laughs) and, and crufty and gross. Uh, so yeah, so we came in, so I worked with, um, uh, Dan Maul and Josh Clark, uh, and then, uh, yeah, my brother Ian and myself sort of built everything out. And that was uh, it was a really great project because because we were deliber- uh, delivering this thing to a client, we had to be really intentional with how we were writing things. So it wasn't just about like I had to write code that was up to snuff. It's like this had to we had to quite literally articulate and document and deliver every single line of code. Here's why this is the way it is. Here's why the mm. CSS is architected this way. Here's what happens in this situation versus this situation. When we write, um, you know, if a button is living inside of a header, uh, where do those styles get written? If we have to like position that button, does, does it live in the buttons SAS partial or does it live in the, in the header SAS partial? And, you know, how do we write that stuff. So that whole process was, was great. And I think like sort of coming out the other end of it, it's for one is the first code base that I didn't just want to totally destroy after we were done. It's like, it's like, or, or at least go like, Oh, I would have done this like way differently. Like I actually felt upon completion. I was like, yeah, this is, this is solid. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And is especially cool working with, with my brother because now I feel like for other projects we're able to write essentially the exact same way now it's like I yeah. I can't I can't tell where my code begins or his code ends and stuff which is cool and that's that's part of this whole notion of having a style guide like having conventions having standards uh and once Brad, you establish did you, them yeah. did you do your homework did I do my homework did you watch Pacific Rim no, I didn't watch Pacific Rim. Ah, I was going to make a Pacific Rim joke, but you wouldn't get it. It's way over my head. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I won't. I I won't fail you. I, I was going to say you. You and your brother have have uh, is it rift compatibility? <laughs> You're right. It's it's totally over my head. I don't know. I <laughs> I put it on my to do list. I will I will watch it just for you, <sighs> just to get that reference. Yeah, uh, but. So in addition to doing that, so that was sort of like more hands-on work. Um, 
I do, like I was saying, a lot of different consulting. So I've been in working with different companies of all sorts of shapes and sizes at various stages along their their sort of design system journey. Uh, for some clients, it's like this is their fifth or sixth stab at sort of trying to spin up some form of pattern library or whatever. And historically, uh, you know, they've all just fallen on their face and they're like, why, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out sort of why and they, they have some suspicions, but as, as I've gone in and worked with these, these companies, I'm starting to realize it's like the, the actual code and the, the patterns and how they're designed and how they look. I'm not saying that that stuff is easy or, or it doesn't matter. It certainly does, but what I found the most challenging parts to be are sort of establishing uh, the culture of thinking about this in a certain way, but also mm-hmm. including things like, um, like sort of a underpinning philosophy, solid design principles that where all that stuff sort of stands on high level guidelines, but also things like contributing also things like here's exactly how to take an application that isn't using the design system at all to, you know, 10%, 20%, ultimately a hundred percent. Like what does that process look like? And let's actually yeah. define that stuff and formalize it and codify all these good practices and best practices and, and processes and include that right alongside the components and all like the sort of, you know, in the weed stuff. So that's, that, that for me, I think has been like the biggest re- revelation and i think that would be really great to talk about is talk about sort of like how a lot of the sort of terminology Mm. has has changed since we last talked so this is called like the style guides podcast right yeah so and you wrote a book called front end end style Style Guides. guides right and there's we've talked about pattern libraries and stuff but i'd say that probably since we last talked and presently the 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 term design system as a thing has really sort of taken shape so so what what do you think about that <laughs> sorry just put off by your dog snoring <laughs> <laughs> just just to point out it's not me <laughs> and it's not me either it's it's, <laughs> it's ziggy the bulldog lovely yeah i think um Design systems are so hot right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of I think I feel like that term has made it more accessible to designers. Mm. Although maybe yeah, Star Guys had a lot of baggage with it. Mm. You know, maybe people think of those kind of PDFs that you get, and calling them front end Star Guys kind of helped. But I feel like design systems are just kind of that's a term that that people have really latched onto. You, Which is kind of a shame because, like, my book title is now out of date. But. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you think do you do you equate the two though? Do you do you think that that a a sort of like front end style guide and a design system are are one and the same, or are there differences? <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a design system can include so many things, like. Um, 
it can include a tone of voice um it can be for not just like the website but also various apps it it's mm. a, it really is a catch all term and i kind of felt think <laughs> 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 he's making a guest appearance yes he certainly is mm. <laughs> i kind of felt like um front end style guides were um in a way they were like that catch-all term but they didn't really do it that well because just things like tone of voice and and when it came to apps that that don't use front-end code it's um it's hard to kind of encapsulate that whereas design systems do do a better job yeah yeah and that's that's i think where i've sort of landed as well where it's basically a design system as i sort of started thinking about it and talking about it a little bit more is is basically everything that goes into doing design at the company right so that includes that includes high level guidelines high level philosophies code standards voice and tone all of that stuff the components themselves uh toolkits like like a uh uh, sketch template and stuff like that, Photoshop templates, uh, design mm. tokens, resources, both internal and external. But it's basically like, this is how we do things here. Like, th- yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this is this is the explicit way that we do design and development and we create UIs here. And that means a lot of things, not just like low-level components. So, so the front-end style guide is still a part of it. It's still an important part of it. The components themselves, the pattern library, the the, the actual list of components, uh, is still important. They're they're the sort of manifestation of a lot of this thinking that that goes around it. But historically, I feel like it's more like, okay, here's buttons, here's cards, here's whatever. But there hasn't been that sort of like underpinning sort of mm. like bow that goes around like what? Like here's the spacing and here's yeah. the kind of, yeah. um, you know, the types of shadows you should use down right, right down to animation. Right. And and why? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and yeah. like the rationale and, and all that documentation that like historically it's like, yeah, again, here's the here's the what. But you don't really have like the the sort of like ingredients. It's yeah. I, I, one one example that or I've been talking about is like the the components themselves are like tools in a tool shed, but like for certain tasks and processes and and whatever it's you know you need to have instructions for like here's how to install a sink or here's how to fix your roof or here's how to do whatever. Mm. So so it's that context that helps provide you know some some real utility for those tools so you're not just going into a tool shed and going uh i need to fix the toilet i guess i'm going to grab a a garden rake or something that doesn't yeah. make sense so <laughs> i feel like um it has also caused a shift in the role of front end developers mm. would you agree but say more about that I'd- um, just the so now we're working with living design systems, a um, lot more exposure to the API, a um, lot more languages for you know, things like Node are being used. Um, I feel like the role of the front end developer is, is becoming less about mocking up um, what a designer has handed over to them and more about kind of maintaining that system, about integrating that into um, into the back end, maybe doing some of the back end, especially like from my point of view, because our app is built in Node, um, it's I'm getting much more into that. 
um yeah it's just it, it the role has changed a lot over the years and i feel like design systems have kind of contributed to that change yeah yeah no that i think that that's that's really fascinating and i i think that in my own work, I I feel similar where a lot of the, the organizations that I've been consulting with and, and the design systems that I've been building for for clients, these are companies that have used that use uh, some of their apps are running Angular, some of their apps are running React, some of them are running jQuery, some of them are on .NET, other ones are SharePoint, other ones are Drupal. It's like it's all over the place. And here you are trying to like, create a a unified ui that can serve all of these different environments Mm. Um, no matter what language they're in yeah exactly so so i i 100 percent agree with you that it's the role of a front-end designer uh someone who's building the html and css and stuff to to be thinking about where that stuff is ultimately going to be deployed to and and having to craft the system and I'd say more than just like the the system itself, but also like the processes again. <laughs> Siggy is Siggy so bored. Still, he is he is so 100% rude. Sleeping. Oh my god. <laughs> but um. But so so how so how we ended up doing this for for the big client that's you know running on all sorts of different tech stacks and stuff. Basically, our the sort of canonical design system was really just like raw HTML, CSS, and very light presentational JavaScript. And that presentational JavaScript are really just sort of like toggles. So like just like switching classes. So for a, a drop down, it would, you know, show, it would add a class to show the drop down list. And then mm. you, you do it again. And then, and then that sort of hides it. But by doing it that way, what we are able to do is sort of build uh, a bit, a few bridges, um, between sort of like the canonical system and sort of technology specific versions of the system. So what we ended up doing is taking the canonical system and then sort of like helping write the Angular version of that. So there'd be like an Angular specific version of the design system. There'd be a React specific version of the Mm. design system. Uh, So that means, and then building processes by which like, okay, if we make a change to that dropdown, for instance, uh, let's say we add an accessibility uh, sort of enhancement to it. What we'll do is is then sort of go to the people that are that are sort of uh, maintaining the individual technology specific versions, and then sort of working together to get that fix in, and then that would subsequently get rolled out to the different uh, applications. <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> Ziggy is already bored with the new season of the Style Guides <laughs> podcast. Buddy. Oh, it's it's so hard to keep it all in <laughs> while that's going on. But yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. So I, all that's to say is is I think we're on the same page. It's like we're not just like okay, we're taking a Photoshop comp and turning it into code, and like that's the extent of our job. It's like we're all forced, and I'd say that designers as well are forced to take a step back and go like, how are these design decisions ultimately going to affect not just my application, uh, Mm. my specific like corner of the universe, the thing that I'm 
responsible for right now, but really how is this thing going to scale? How, how might this thing be used elsewhere? How might uh, other teams make use of the same component or whatever? So, so we're, we're mm. all th- having to think a lot bigger. That was going to be my next question, actually, was kind of how, how, do, how does the designer's role fit in here? How's the designer's role changed? Um, and, and also around kind of managing change. So if, if a designer wants to maybe change the spacing, um, that's going to have a massive effect on on the entire system. Yeah. Um, all of the apps, all of the the websites, and um, it what can seem like a very minor change in the graphics software can have. You know, you you, you look at the kind of the um, Git comparison, and it's just masses of files and yeah. um, all for one change. Yeah, yeah, and that's again. I think it comes back to that consideration of going like. I can't just arbitrarily change this or, or I need to sort of have a, a, a rationale for why things mm. need to be the way they are. And uh, in our own work and in sort of like the consulting work that I've been doing, really sort of working with what's ultimately a, a sort of a cross-disciplinary um, design systems team. So, so a team that's dedicated to thinking sort of system-wide um, mm. needs to partner with people that are on individual applications. So, so for one of our, uh, one of our clients is a, is a healthcare client. And so they have, they have certain products that are facing doctors and nurse practitioners and nurses and sort of like healthcare professionals. They have other client or they have other UIs that are facing patients. They have other UIs that are facing sort of, um, like health insurance people and sort of claims people and stuff like that those audiences have wildly different sort of needs and, and, you know, preferences. So like a doctor wants to see, like, think of like a data table. They want to see Mm. as much stuff as humanly possible on a screen, you know, like eight point type, you know, like lay it all out. Don't abbreviate anything or, or, (laughs) or whatever, you know, it's like, show me all the data uh, in one place where if you were to put that in front of a patient, they're going to, you know, freak out and just be yeah. totally overwhelmed. So, so the role of the designer has to be great. Like we have these different audiences, we have these different use cases for the same component. How do we build it in such a way that it's standardized, but it's flexible, it's adaptable. It, maybe it has a few different variations, like a dense version mm. and, a, and a, and a comfy version and something mm. in between. And, and so sort of, that that I feel like is the biggest role of of sort of design and specifically designers that are on a design systems team is helping see all the different potential applications of any given component and say, right, how do we come up with our sort of smart default that's going to serve most of these use cases? How mm-hmm. do we create the various uh, uh, sort of variants of that component that solve these other use cases? And then how do we do it in a way that is still scalable and maintainable and stuff like that? So, so that's, yeah. a, that's a huge shift compared to like, cool, I'm working on this thing. It's meant for doctors and nurse practitioners, so I'm going to design it this way. And that's, and that's it. And that's as far as you would historically have to think, right? Now, yeah. now you're like, there's just so much more to consider. And I think that that's challenging, but also 
hopefully welcome just because like the the benefits you get from thinking that way and building things that can scale and be modified and and give people options are, are tremendous something i found quite weird when uh i think it was dave rupert uh, when we were interviewing him he was talking about having a style guide kind of or design system as a as like a an npm module or something mm. And I remember thinking that was very strange. Like, why would you make a package for this? Um, but, I mean, that's what we're doing at SNCC now, and it makes yeah. total sense. It's it's all about kind of um, version control. You know, when you, when you make a change to the style guide and you've got a lot of different apps that consume it, um, being able to kind of iteratively update those um, those apps, you know, bump up the version gradually make sure that nothing's broken rather than releasing it and then suddenly everything has changed right and you can't kind of control that right so yeah so with like packages package managers and dependency management and stuff you're able to to sort of go cool we're yeah we made this change to our drop downs or data tables and then suddenly everyone's app explodes yeah Uh, yeah so that that would be like if you're just like hot linking a CSS file or a JavaScript yeah. file, and then which is like... exactly what we were doing before, and <laughs> and it did cause problems. Yeah. You know, no matter how much you test it, there's always going to be something that slips through. Yeah. Um, whereas with this, it's you know you can test each endpoint kind of on its own, and um, also it's a lot easier to kind of integrate with visual regression testing. You know, we have we have visual regression testing for each component. Ah, uh, so um, cool. And and that's yeah, it's kind of changed how we how we approach testing and um because we didn't really have anything for the front end, uh, for the kind of how things look and and when you get a situation where you are just adding like if you're changing a global variable of a spacing unit or something, you wanna see you you wanna be able to see where that's changed yeah. all across all across the app and yeah. um it's it's just useful to see an overview of what what's changed and uh, make sure that nothing has changed that you didn't want to change. Sure, sure. That's a, and and so do you have that sort of tooling and stuff set up in in your workflow right now? So, like if you if you were to go in and if you have a variable for like margin double or so, I, I don't yeah. know like what that is. So if you were to change that value from two rems to say four, mm. are you able to sort of see? What, yeah, what so that looks like. the way that it currently works um, is you you go onto the master branch, you run the visual regression testing, you take reference screenshots, then you switch to the branch like your feature branch, mm. and you run the visual regression testing again, which does the comparison. So then you've got like your reference screenshots and your comparison screenshots. It lays those images on top of each other and highlights what's changed. Wow. Um, what I'd like to do going forward and is what we actually did with the previous style guide was um, to host the, uh, the the design system at a URL that we can then point to. So running it isn't a case of switching branches. We can just run it off that branch. The reference screenshots are from the live site, mm-hmm. which is like the most up-to-date version um, that's, that's published. Mm-hmm. And then the feature branch is whatever you've got locally. Um, so that's kind of the next step. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, and, and that makes a lot of sense. It's like, here's what we have now. Here's what I'm working on. And here's how that's going to change the, the, yeah. the front end UI. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Man, that's, that stuff is, is next level stuff. I, I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I think that that's super cool. And I've, I've heard of a few people talk about it. And I think it especially makes sense in sort of a more pattern driven process where it's like, cool, if I, 
make a change to yeah to my button or, or to this thing especially around sort of spacing or positioning or whatever it's like mm. you you have to know what consequences that that brings and it's not and i'm sure it's not all bad but it's you, you don't want to break things and yeah yeah <laughs> and that that seems like a really great way of going oh okay here's a way to make sure that we're covering our bases yeah, I learned it off. Um, I went to a talk that Alicia Sedlock gave, and uh, she was talking about kind of visual regression testing. And I was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be great to have this on on our style guide?" Um, and so I spent months trying to get it working, and eventually got it working. I'm so happy. And yeah, it's. I don't use it very much. Um, it's only if I'm changing something that I am not sure what what effect it's going to have or maybe if I'm reviewing someone's pull request and I wanted to check that it's it's kind of scoped to that component um, but it's been really useful and I'll, I'll happily help you set it up Brad ah yes <laughs> excellent excellent I need I need a lot of help with a lot of things I think but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it has been I again back to sort of like changing rules and stuff it's like this is this is stuff that historically I've been like yeah like that's that's mm. not that's, that's someone not, else's Yeah, job. exactly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool, but it's uh, all a bit way over my head and stuff. But now, again, I, at the very least, just sort of understanding a lot of that process and stuff. And I, mm. I, I feel like in, in my own world, it's finding that understanding of I'm not going to ever be like a hardcore Drupal developer or, or um, you know, being someone building out the backend models and stuff like that and controllers and all that for a given application. But what I do need to understand is like sort of how that stuff is generally set up so that I could construct UIs that jive well with, with how the, how the backend is architected and stuff like that. So, and I found it to be a, a bit of a two way street uh, in my own work. Cause a lot of times it's, you know, the clients are, are dealing with crusty old legacy systems that, that need an update. And even on the back end, it's not, you know, component driven and stuff like that. So the introduction of a design system from a front end of things sort of gives them an opportunity and an excuse to sort of restructure things on, on their end uh, to sort of get these things to play nicer uh, together. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but uh, and I, I think especially like I, I I think it's awesome that you're able to like you're saying to be able to to work at a company and sort of iterate on things but also put it tooling in place that it's you know you're going to use for the next you know few weeks months years or whatever mm-hmm. um I think is really cool um, to be able to sort of deep dive into your own system and to make that system as good as possible. Um, and that's sort of, and on my end, I'm sort of like still fluttering about sort of going into a bunch of different companies and sort of getting this sort of bird's eye perspective, but really I'm excited for my clients. I'm excited for them to sort of create a system and, and processes and tools and stuff that, that they actually feel are, are useful that are going to like make their lives better, uh, not just in the immediate future, but also like as, as they live with this stuff for years and years. Cause some, sometimes I'm like, how, how have you worked here for four years and you're, <laughs> this is your reality and you're like, mm. you're willing to, 
to continue to it's like oh yeah in order to make this change i have to copy and paste this thing here and it's all very like kludgy and it's like it's like you've accepted that as the as the norm so so i think Mm -hmm. that that these design systems are are really like uh i think a breath of fresh air and i think it's getting a lot of people excited and, and like like you sort of said like this this term design system i think is a very approachable uh uh sort of buzzword i guess for lack of a better word but like it's it's a great sort of rallying cry i think that's sort of helped getting a a lot of people front-end people design people uh even business people and stuff like getting the the whole organization to go okay let's make this happen let's let's uh you know put the stuff in place let's let's scale our best practices let's like sort of come to some decisions, say, this is how we do things, and then roll that out to, to the whole organization. So, um, yeah, so, so with that in mind, so we're going to be talking to a bunch of people, a bunch of cool people. Mm-hmm. We're sort of like lining them up right now. Uh, but a lot of different people that have been working at large organizations, other people that are, that are consulting and sort of helping, you know, again, sort of fluttering about uh, sort of same as me. And just, I guess... I'm really excited to, to talk to people to, to see how in their own organizations these terms and these processes and these tools and stuff have evolved for them to, to create successful work because there's been mm. a ton of fantastic thinking coming out. And what, the StyleGuides.io examples page is now up to 183 <laughs> examples of people that are like starting to publish their their style guides and stuff. So, so I, I just think that this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm yeah, super. I'm looking, looking forward, forward to. to we're bringing back a couple of guests who we had on um, the last round, and uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to them about what's changed. You know, what have they mm. learned? What has kind of not worked out how they thought it would, and what? If, uh, yeah, what basically? What what mistakes have they learned from? Yeah. And that's big because I, I, I sort of feel like it's it's almost like responsive design, where you know whatever responsive design hit the scene after a year or two or whatever, people are like, oh yeah, we're making responsive sites. It's like I'm using media queries. Look, my my mm. layout is squishy, and it's like while they they were <laughs> technically responsive, they weren't necessarily like great responsive mm. experiences, right? So I, I sort of feel like we're we're at that point with design systems and pattern libraries where it's like. Now, I'd say most places have at least some semblance of a style guide or a pattern library, but that's that's sort of it, you know what I mean? Or with the exception of a few, you know, really forward-thinking, I think, places, people are like, mm. cool, we have some stuff, we're trying to figure out how to where to go from here how do how do we turn this into to something that's that's bigger than just here's what our card looks like, right? And so, so I'm confident that a lot of the guests that we're going to be talking to are going to be able to, to shine some light on that and say, like, what actually goes into making a, a solid, holistic, sort of robust design system? You know, everything from animation to design principles to back-end principles, CSS architecture. It's like, we got some good stuff lined up, so... <laughs> Ziggy doesn't seem to think Ziggy so. Ziggy doesn't seem to think so. And he'll, <laughs> he'll be here snoring snoring along the whole the whole way. But um 
but yeah, so uh, thanks everybody for for listening and to for coming back with us, and uh, we hope that uh, you find this stuff useful because I'm I know I'm excited to learn. So, bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>